Welcome back to another episode of Return on Character podcast with me, Dan Cooper, your host, the CEO and founder of Rock Investments, uh, an investment strategy that allocates capital on the basis of the character of CEOs. I am excited and honored to have uh, the inventor of a whole new category that we all should have thought of uh, 10, 20 years ago uh, with us on the show today, Joseph Woodbury of Neighbor, um, the CEO of a company that, wait for it, you ready? Here it is. Neighbor is a peer-to-peer -peer storage company that connects people with unused space to people in need of storage. Is that not the most obvious thing in the world? Well, this is the guy that kind of invented it and is leading it together with his co-founder, who I don't recall his name. Um, but Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for taking taking time out of the Christmas holiday season to, to hang out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. It's great to meet you. Um, Joseph, tell me a little bit about... Um, about your company to get going. Tell me about how it got started, uh, how it was conceived, and and what you're what you're working on today. Yeah, so I, you know we had this we had the idea for this concept. I think the way that that most good companies are started, and that's just by having the pain ourselves. Uh, my co-founder Preston is actually the one that came up with the idea. He and he and his uh, now wife had just gotten married, and. Uh, about a week after they got married, they both flew down to South America to work for a global humanitarian org uh, down there. And so having gotten married just a week prior, they needed a place to kind of put their combined items together. They needed a storage unit. My co-founder looked into getting a storage unit and I think had the experience that most of us have when we try to do that. And that is that all the facilities close by to him were completely full Um he was going to have to drive a half hour to the next town and the ones with any vacancy were charging hundreds of dollars a month. And he said, there's no way I'm doing this. He found a friend that allowed him to store in his garage and they left. Um, he had the idea when he got back uh, four months later, they, they went to pick up their items uh, from their friend's garage after they got back from South America. And as he's picking up his items out of the garage, he just thought, this was such a better experience. I felt a lot more peace of mind knowing my items were in a nice, clean garage in a neighborhood I trusted than in one of those dirty storage facilities. Plus, I saved a ton of money. Like, why doesn't why doesn't everyone do this? There's got to be empty space in every neighborhood in the country. Why hasn't someone created, you know, a, a directory or a, a marketplace or, or a way to figure out what's available? So that's the that's how the idea of Neighbor was born. He recruited myself and our other co-founder Colton. We started working on it. This was this was our senior year of of school. Um, we all had full time jobs lined up. I don't think any of us were planning on starting a company. Uh, it just kind of happened. And and our last semester of college, we all called our full time jobs and said, "Hey, we're not going to show up, and we're doing this full time." and and that's where we are. That was 2017. So we're about five years into it now. And so I, I just can't, for me, I can imagine, you know, I always imagine like who was the guy or girl that 
thought of putting wheels on suitcases for the first time, like, and, and, and in that moment, what, what did they feel like? Oh my gosh, this is, this is huge. This is why, you know, you hope to get those wheels on the suitcase as fast as you possibly can, because you don't, you don't want somebody else to, to come up with them. And of course it dominates the world. I feel like your idea is similar. Did you get, do you guys have that feeling where you kind of like looking around going, wait, are we the only ones that kind of came up with this idea and how are we going to take advantage of it in a way that we make sure we own, you know, quote, all the wheels on the suitcase. Um, how's that gone? Yeah. And, and has, has your investors seen the same light as it relates to the potential market opportunity and growth? Well, I, you know, I, I can't speak for Preston and, and the feeling he had in the moment of, of kind of realizing this concept, but, but I can tell you that when he told me about it, um, uh, I went home to my wife that night and it, he hadn't even floated the idea of me joining yet. He just told me, he told me about the concept and I went home to my wife and I said, this is the best idea I've ever heard in my entire life. Preston's a genius. Uh, wh why hasn't someone thought of this before? Now, that wasn't the reaction of everybody, of course. Um, Preston told me he told he, he told his wife the concept, and she said, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, so... Um, Good to have balance. And, and, it, <laughs> and before we raised any sort of, you know, funding for the business, we, we, the students competed in a lot of business competitions, and we won some of them, we lost some of them, um, there were several of them we competed in where, you know, very successful entrepreneurs that were kind of the judges on the panel said, um, you know, why would I ever want to store my items in someone else's house? You know, that's, that seems so risky and, and, and all this stuff. So like not everyone caught the vision. The other thing I think we were surprised to find, you know, we started building this, we started getting users. We thought we had this amazing original idea and as we start diving into the space a little more we realize that prior to us there had been you know 50 or so companies that had tried this exact same idea and concept out some of which had even raised venture capital um, and failed and uh, that's an interesting moment when you realize that this idea you've got is is unoriginal and is likely going to be difficult because others have attempted it and failed. Now, five years in, we've gotten further than any other company ever has. I think I think the most it's it's hard to come up with a proxy for companies you don't you don't know the full details of, but most anyone's raised in, in terms of capital into this business is about a million dollars. We've raised sixty five and we're operating in all fifty states. So we think we've kind of broken out got an escape velocity. Uh, but, but that's a daunting moment when you realize there's a lot of smart people that have tried and failed at, at what you thought was a brilliant idea. How do you measure um, kind of your growth uh, in your specific business? How is it that you're, you're kind of determining where the, the idea is catching, is catching on versus not? Yeah, um, in a marketplace, you're constantly balancing supply and demand. Right. Uh, it's it's not like a traditional store where you can ensure that you always have the inventory you need to sell um, in a marketplace. You're not selling anything. Uh, in fact, we're, I like to say we're in the business of selling trust. 
and our hosts sell mm-hmm. storage. Uh, and so you're relying on other people to be dependable, to be um, uh, uh, available. Um, and so we we look at, of course, the, the growth metrics that every other company looks at, revenue growth, uh, profit growth, and uh, cost reduction, that sort of thing. But we also look at what we call liquidity, um, which is the liquidity of each market and and does it have enough supply to meet the demand or does it have enough demand to meet the supply? And we, we pay attention to product conversion rates quite closely because conversion rates uh, aren't just uniform across the product. Those, those conversion mm-hmm. rates can vary city by city based on the, the liquidity that we have in each of those markets. And now that we operate, I mean, we have active users in almost every city and every state in the country. So managing liquidity in all those areas um, gets to be kind of a data uh, uh, challenge. Well, there's a lot of questions in that, but I have to go back to what you said first is that you're in the business of providing trust and how do you provide, um, how do you vet trust in the hosts or the spaces, the people that own the spaces that are being rented out? How do you, how do you do that? I mean, that's exactly what you need to do in my mind. I mean, how do you vet that the person is trustworthy and that, that that's going to be a a good experience for the end user? We, we do a few things and, and, you know, it's, it's impossible to do anything perfectly. So I think, I think the more you can layer on kind of a multifaceted approach, that's ultimately the best way because no individual way will be perfect. Um, but the first thing we do is we provide backstops. Uh, if you think of this concept of sharing items with your neighbor, uh, even even aside from neighbors, say say you owned a, a, a boat and it was a it was it was an expensive boat. Most neighbors, I think, would like to be able to share their boat with their neighbors, but it just doesn't happen that often. You know, you don't you don't just like let someone take your boat out on the lake. Um, without you there uh, and that's because that's because if if they're to damage it uh, then then there's no kind of backstop in place now you feel bad because you have to go to your neighbor and say you need to replace the prop you broke the prop and and so you'd rather just not do that so you just say you know what I'm not gonna loan my boat out I'm, I'm gonna always be there I'll let people come on my boat but I'm gonna always be there now, if a marketplace were to come in and provide insurance, uh, t- take a portion of the fee for renting it and use that to provide insurance, then you'd probably feel very comfortable letting your neighbor use it. You like your neighbor, you want your neighbor to be able to take your boat. If there's insurance that'll kick in and replace that prop, all of a sudden you feel better. So that's one, that's that's the first approach we take is we provide insurance across the platform. We provide property protection plans. We're actually the only... St- uh, m- most storage facilities you go to, your property is actually not insured or protected. If the whole facility burns down, you know, you're on the hook for everything that you stored at, at that facility. So Neighbor is one of the few platforms in the country where you can actually get up to $50,000 in property protection for the items that you store. Um, on the flip side, we provide a million dollar host liability guarantee to our hosts because they're effectively running a business out of their home. And so they want to, they want to be protected in terms of liability. So we provide that to them. We provide payout protection. So uh, 
that's another thing people don't think about is is well, what if someone moves some items in and then they stop paying what do you do um you actually can't throw those items away because of self-storage auction law you have to run a formal auction process and so so what do you do if you're just making no money and someone else's items are in your space well if you're on neighbor we'll continue to pay you even though the renter is not paying us and so we provide you pay up protection so you'll always get paid while items are in your space and then in addition we run that whole auction process for you and we get the items out of the space now it's not like that occurs very often one of the things that's beautiful about this platform that I think is an advantage over a marketplace like Uber or Airbnb is individuals, they have no connection to each other on Airbnb and Uber. When you get out of an Uber, you're probably never gonna talk to that Uber driver ever again. Same with an Airbnb. If you stay in an Airbnb and uh, you know wherever you're traveling, you're probably never gonna speak with that Airbnb host again. But on Neighbor, people like to store their items close to them. And so we're called Neighbor because our users are usually storing with someone in their neighborhood or someone in the next neighborhood over. It's very close. So there's a level of social capital that exists on our platform that just doesn't exist on any other marketplace where people are actually quite good to each other. Um, we do ID verification. We do all of these things. But in many ways, they're, they're almost unnecessary they really are just backstops for the very, very rare instances because it turns out people treat their neighbors quite well because you're going to have to live next to your neighbors for 10, 20 years. That makes so much sense. You're kind of capitalizing on the what I believe is the, uh, the natural human tendency to want to be good, you know. Um, and yeah. it, it, there's always exceptions to it, which you have to kind of build in structures to account, account for it. But um, I love businesses that kind of assume that and use it as use it to the advantage of the business. It makes a lot of sense. You know, it, uh, the way we um, allocate or evaluate our CEOs that we invest in, in senior teams, we look for four characteristics. We look for uh, evidence of character habits and integrity, uh, responsibility, uh, forgiveness, and compassion. Uh, and lots of times people don't kind of associate the, the last two, forgiveness and compassion, with, with leadership uh, or a good CEO. And the research has shown pretty convincingly that when leaders lead with those four characteristics, they they tend to outperform those that don't. Um, how do you think those characteristics might reflect on your business, both from a leadership standpoint and even from just the nature of your business, you know, like, uh, and how you run it? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned that, that um, you know, in many ways, we're kind of forming a structure around these tendencies that already exist. Uh, I'll just say, before I get to your specific question, one of the things we talk about quite frequently at Neighbor is, is we often say people are naturally honest and good. They sometimes need to be reminded that they are honest and good. And so we can provide them those reminders. But when reminded or, or when, when shown which is the right option, uh, they, they often do what is good. So people can you know, sometimes have a tendency to try to get around systems 
but with a simple reminder of, of, hey, this is the right thing to do, they'll immediately say, oh, I'm a good person, I'm going to do the right thing, right? Uh, people, people want to do the right thing when reminded, which I think is a powerful, uh, powerful I, I totally, concept. I totally agree. I feel like the majority of us, when we screw up or do wrong or do evil, if you will, it's a moment yeah. of being tricked. You know, we were kind of tricked into thinking, okay, this is the best move. Um, do you have any examples of, I've never heard anybody else kind of say it that way. I, 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 I like the way, the, the softer way you said it around reminder um, of what the right way to do things are. Do you, have you yeah. had any examples of that and in, in, in your, in your uh, position or at neighbor? So one example is you could imagine a scenario where um, uh, na- neighbor does all this work and, and pays pays for the marketing and and all the systems to bring two users together, um, and and those users are that renter is now able to find storage that's that's about half the cost of a traditional self storage unit, and that host is now able to earn income like pretty meaningful passive recurring income from someone, um, and then neighbor you know, neighbor, of course, has a, a fee as a part of that. So you can imagine a host and a renter that if they establish a good enough relationship uh, could say, you know, what, let's take this off platform, right? Um, uh, we'll, we'll split the difference of neighbor's fee. You take half, I'll take half. You, you uh, pay less money, I'll make more money. Um, now, at the end of the day, we don't do a ton to try and stop that because we think providing value is the best way. Like, if you do that, you're going to lose all the insurance we provide, all the payout protections, all the all the auction assistance, the customer support, dispute mitigation, all of that, uh, the payment processing that we do on your behalf. Um, so really the best way to stop that is just providing value. But uh, we did find, and this is the answer to your question, that by just putting in their messages a little reminder at the top, it says something along the lines of, you know, please be honest and always, you know, message and pay through neighbor. Um, that that's a powerful, that, 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 you know, we AV tested that and that had an impact. Just, just reminding people that like, hey, we connected you together. So make sure to use the service and no, no guardrails, no policing, no, no kind of punitive measure, just a simple reminder that the right thing to do would be to to kind of honor your commitments to the platform and it goes a long way that that's kind of where that concept concept came from i love that so it's like a little angel on your shoulder trying to make sure right you you motivate people in the right direction i think people identify as being honest i do too i do too and i think most people want to be honest i mean i don't want to get too philosophical here but you know, I, my measurement of, of of good people has always been: do they derive pleasure from doing good? And I think most, if not almost all, do. It's the rare exception that actually derive pleasure from doing evil that you got to watch out for. You know, right? Uh, but most, if you're reminded right, you know, they like they they want to do the right thing. Um, I mean, you're you're a young guy. You're, this is your first business. It's it's a rocket ship. Um, 
how are you handling that? How have you managed? Have, have you been able to surround yourself with some people that uh, help you manage this business and grow this business and manage your people and all the things you need to do to be able to do what you're doing? Yeah, it's it's definitely been a big big learning experience for me. I, I've I've feel like I've learned more in the last five years doing this than I could have doing any anything else. Um, uh, j- just learning by by failing and learning by application. Um, I'll, I'll mention my two co-founders here as well. One of the things that, that I'm really proud of at this stage of the business is that is that all three co-founders are still with the business. You know, many businesses within the first couple of years of a business have some sort of issue with co-founders or, or some sort of co-founder dispute. And, and we haven't. We just never have had kind of co-founder conflict. And I've asked myself why that is, and I trace it all all back to a conversation we had in 2017 when we were first starting the business. It was just us three in the business. And we said, we just kind of had a meeting together and we said, we kind of defined defined what this meant. And we we asked each other, like, what does being a co-founder of the company mean? And we decided two things and that one, you know, it means it means you start out with a lot of equity. And two, it means you started the company. And we decided it doesn't mean anything more than that, right? It, it means you, you we split up the equity when we start, and it means we we get to say this company was started by us. But it doesn't entitle us to to anything beyond that. It doesn't entitle us to a role. It doesn't entitle us to to you know be in any meeting or or whatever. And that that sort of mentality has kept all of us, I think, really kind of hungry and, and maybe even humble to our position where each of us said to each other, we, we said, you know, if I'm ever not the right CEO for the business, I'll I'll take some other role in the company and let's bring in a CEO who's really good at this. Or if I'm not the right, you know, VP of, of product, then let's bring in someone else who's a better VP product. Uh, and and I'll go do some some other role, and and I think that's caused each of us to to really believe that we have to learn and grow and scale with the business. And so far, um, I'm I'm really uh, proud of my co-founders' ability to scale with the business. They've really invested in themselves and their growth, and they've like you know put themselves through a pretty rigorous education to to be the best at their role. Because if at any moment we think there's someone better. Then, then we'll make that that decision. So I think I think that's one way as a first time founder founders we've been able to manage that is just realize that you're entitled to nothing, um, and and that you have to put in the work that many people have put in over decades to gain the experience to be great leaders. You have to somehow accelerate that process, and it's not going to be easy. Amazing. It's really unusual, like you said. I mean, uh, co-founders don't oftentimes stay together, uh, and certainly oftentimes yeah. don't like each other at the end. Um, <laughs> by the way, it, it sounds like you started a family while you started neighbor neighborhood. Is is there is that your children running around in the background? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear? Can you? I I tried to put the headphones in, but yes, no, I've great. got I've got uh, six kids now. Um, and they're, they're a lot of fun. You have six kids. 
I have six kids. You're yeah, you're, I, you're in a very you're a very impressive man, Joseph. You're a very impressive I, man. I like uh, to have seven yeah. startups. Okay, so tell me about the future of Neighbor. Where where are you taking the company? What do you need to get there? What are your bigger concerns and what are your bigger opportunities? Well, um, you know, what we're working on right now is building this storage marketplace where people can rent out space in each other's homes to store their items instead of going to a storage unit. And that's really exciting. I mean, the storage industry is big. I don't think most people realize how big it is. It does about eight times the amount of revenue on an annual basis um, than the entire taxi and limo industry that Uber and Lyft disrupted. So it's 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 huge. One one. I think one stat that helps put it into perspective for some people is is that in the United States, we have now built more storage facilities. And I'm not talking about the units. I'm talking about the the, the buildings, the facilities. We built more storage facilities than we have Starbucks, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King's, Wendy's, uh, Domino's Pizzas, Walmart's, Home Depot's, and Costco's combined. Um, so... Storage is a massive, massive um, category. At any given moment, I think one in nine Americans are actively, you know, renting a storage unit. And that's not the percentage of Americans that have rented one in their lifetime. That's the percentage that like today are in a unit. Most Americans will rent a storage unit at some point in their lifetime. So it's one of those few kind of ubiquitous goods. Um, it's about a half a trillion dollar uh industry. And so that represents a huge opportunity that we're really excited to, to come in and disrupt and provide a better service that's cheaper and safer and closer and allow people to make income. But it's not the long-term vision. Um, the, the Part of the reason we called this company neighbor and not, you know, store this or stash that or space something, something to do with storage is because we think the most valuable asset we have on the platform today is that we're now connecting neighbors in every neighborhood in the country and they're opening up space for each other. And so that begs the question of what else can those neighbors be doing for each other? If they're already opening up their homes for space and for storage, what else can they do? So we called it neighbor from the very beginning because we view storage as kind of the books to our Amazon right, where Amazon started with books and then they expanded to many other categories. We fully anticipate starting with storage and then expanding to many other services that neighbors can provide for each other. And the vision is to bring back this nuclear community that used to exist, uh, where neighbors got to know their neighbors and they, 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 they traded goods and services. We want to bring that back because we feel like in today's society, people just don't know their neighbors. No one connects with their neighbors. It's kind of awkward. You, you, you maybe wave hi to them, but you don't really connect with them in a meaningful way. And we want to build a platform that brings that back to where you have a you know, $2,000 table saw. I don't, I don't want to buy one. So I come just use yours in your garage or I come use your tennis court or I come use your, 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 your garage to store my items. We might as well be tighter knit as communities. What do you think your first next product will be after space? That's a good question. Um, it's and a hotly debated topic in neighbors. So I can't say I know the the answer. There's 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 several contenders, um, but but one easy adjacency 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that logical of a step to go from, you know, renting out space in your home for storage to like using your neighbor as a piano teacher and having neighbor.com be like piano lessons and storage. <laughs> um, so, so I think we'll follow a logical progression where we go from storage space to other types of space, uh, perhaps recreational spaces where you can rent out your neighbor's um, uh, basketball court or tennis court or, or, or their, their movie theater, um, just other spaces inside the home. And then we'll go from spaces to other types of items. I'm going to close up here. Tell me what, what's been the most character-defining moment in your business life or personal life um, as you've grown neighbor and, and, and brought seven or six children into the world, how, how has your character been most, uh, formed, uh, during the, during this season? I, I, I struggle with, with any sort of superlative. It just, it feels like every, every four months, there's like a new lesson I have to learn, uh, that, that, uh, <laughs> is like, oh, how did I not, not know that before? Um, but I think that one that just consistently comes back is that it, it never is advantageous to, in the long term, to cut corners or to do things the, the, the wrong way. Um, so I can, I can think of a few examples of this. I remember one time uh we we there, there was a there was a uh another platform is a much smaller uh, platform than us and and someone found that like all of their users addresses were publicly exposed right so like it'd be pretty easy for us to come in and, and be like oh well, this is an easy little marketing campaign we send some mailers get some users and there's there's probably nothing technically wrong with that, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's competitive marketing, right? Like, why wouldn't right. platforms mm-hmm. advertise to each other's users? And um, uh, but we could tell that that of course they, if they knew about it, they wouldn't intentionally publicly expose like all of their users' addresses. And so, so uh, there there was a meeting where you know, it was proposed, you know, should we do this? And I was really proud of the company um, that, you know, several people stepped forward and said, you know, this isn't the way we're pretty good at acquiring users ourselves anyway. Like mm-hmm. we don't need this extra boost. Like let's not, let's not use this to our advantage in any way. And we made the decision to just, to just ignore it. And, and uh, that, that was a cool moment that I think, has been built upon with other decisions. I think those decisions compound on each other where people have looked back at that one call we've made and it made a bunch of other calls in the future much easier where it's like, well, neighbor just doesn't, we don't do um, things that way. We always do things the the main way. Um, We always do things the right way. So, so, you know, there's, as you know, from I'm sure you've built companies, and and I'm, I'm sure you know there there's op there's opportunities like that every three months to 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 make a decision. You can make a decision one way or the other way, 
And the better habit you get at making it one way, the easier it is to keep just making it that way. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, very yeah. inspiring and spot on. Um, and, and just a last question. What um, advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? Uh, it's an obvious question for you, uh, but I'm going to add a little aspect to it. Not that you have life dialed perfect, but how do you, a, a young entrepreneur with a family, uh, the management of that, any advice for, for others that are kind of in your seat potentially? I, I'd say, I'd say just make the decision before jumping into it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that my wife and I were on the same page in starting a company. We, we, I remember it, we attended a few events with some founders that were far ahead of us where it was actually a founder and their wife or their, their spouse, their, their husband and, um, kind of the two of them together and whoever was the entrepreneur, uh, they would ask their significant other, you know, what it was like to be, to be involved in a startup. We went to those, we were able to listen to the perspectives of some people that were further along than us and, and the uniform theme was it's really hard uh, and it and it this this will be all consuming you won't be able to turn it off it will be life for both you and your significant other for this whole this whole time period and so that gave us a really great opportunity to sit down and say you know do we want this do we want to do this um, because you have to make the decision before you get into it because once yeah. you're into it it's very hard to to make a decision otherwise. And so like, just, just getting on the same page. And I wouldn't, I really wouldn't move forward if everyone isn't on board, kids, spouse, um, and the entrepreneur, uh, if, if they're not all on board, because that level of commitment, we come back to that all the time. And we say, you know, when, when things are, things are difficult and, and crazy and, and you're doing 10 jobs, um, we come back to that and we just say, you know what, we decided to do this. We're, we're both on board with this. And it's, it's a great kind of base to start from. The other thing I'd say is with any, with any entrepreneurship, certainly not the only difficult career path out there. I think there are a lot of difficult career paths out there. Um, and I'd say one thing that applies to any of them is just the intentionality of your time. And that is that you may work quite a bit, uh, but some people, um, th they don't have a large time commitment. Uh, and so they're, they're able to be home a lot, but then they come home and they, you know, flip on the TV and uh, uh, watch TV and, and aren't able to spend meaningful time with their kids. And uh, it's, I'd say it's actually better, even if you're, you're having to work longer, if when you come home, you're home. I, I watched an interview with with Mitt Romney a few years ago where they were talking about, you know, his years building Bain Capital. And he just said, well, my rule was when I was home, I was home. When I was at work, I was at work. And so when I got home, you know, if I had two hours of the kids, I was, I was paying attention. I was, I was a hundred percent there with the kids, spending time with them, meaningful time, creating memories. And that's, I think, more powerful. I think he got more out of his time with family than many people who maybe got more time with their family. He got more out of it. 
because of that intentionality. So I think being intentional with whatever time you do have, and it'll ebb and flow as an entrepreneur. Some sometimes you know I've got I've got plenty of time as an entrepreneur. Other times I don't have any, and so with the, with whatever time you have, just being super intentional with it, I think goes a long way. Joseph Woodbury, CEO, co-founder of Neighbor. Thank you so much for being with us on Return on Character podcast. If people want to know how to make connections in their neighborhood via Neighbor, uh, how do they do that? Tell us, tell people, direct people to to you and, and the services you guys are providing. Well, I tried to make it easy for people. It's just Neighbor.com. Um, or if you, if you search neighbor on that, the app store, we should be the number one result. Um, so, so yeah. And, and we'd say whether you want, whether you, uh, uh, need this service or not, uh, want to earn money off your space or, or want to rent some of your neighbor's space. I, I, my invitation is always like, regardless of whether you download our app, find, find ways to find ways to interact with your neighbor um, find ways to do things for your neighbor because it's it's a pretty meaningful experience. We see it from the testimonials that we get written in. People didn't know what they were missing in not having that local community. So like, just just find ways to engage with you. I love it. Hey, thank you so much, Joseph, for being with us. Yeah, thank you, Dan.